Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast powered by Jiffy Lube. He's Justin Dunk and I'm John Hodge. Today, we're discussing the Riders' big comeback win over BC. Dude, that was epic. Trevor Harris coming off the six-game injured list. Chuba Hubbard getting an extended look with the Carolina Panthers. Little kind con there. Patrick Levels frustrated with the Owls losing close games, but are they actually close? (laughs) And our mid-season MOP picks. But first, Dunkster, the Ottawa Red Blacks, after we annihilated them on this show last week, looked like a competent team on Tuesday night with a big win over Edmonton. Rookie Caleb Evans threw three touchdowns in his first CFL start. Should he have gotten a chance to start earlier in the year? I mean, it's only one game, obviously, but seeing what he did makes me think that potentially at least the football operations department would have wanted to see him get on the field earlier in the season. Matt Nichols was Paul Apolise's guy. He went to bat for him over there in Ottawa. And even in training camp, talking to some people over in Ottawa there, they say it was apparent that they felt like, and these are their words, not mine, in case Nichols or any of his family are listening, that there was no juice left in his arm. So, That led me to believe that, yes, maybe they should have given one of these younger quarterbacks an opportunity, honestly, to at least just dress Hodge. Because if you don't feel like your veteran quarterback has any juice left, and with the record that they had, you know, it sort of happened by circumstance that Evans started because of an injury. But you can make an argument that after one game, maybe he should have been out there earlier. Yeah, I remember, uh, I guess it was a couple weeks ago in Ottawa, you know, signed uh, Devlin Hodges duck as he's known uh former nfl starter who had a really successful college career i asked a few people you know how good can duck really be north of the border and the answer was simply he can't be worse than what they've got right matt nichols as you said didn't look like there was juice left in the arm dom davis comes out you know does does some 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 extra stuff with his feet but i think he put the ball in harm's way a lot more than matt nichols did well, Caleb Evans looked looked like the best, best of both worlds last night. And actually, that was the first time to me Ottawa has looked like a Paul Lapolis-led offense. They didn't throw the ball a ton, but when they did, they did it effectively. They did not turn the ball over. Caleb Evans used his legs, that which opened things up, I think, for Timothy Flanders a little bit. It was, it was easily the best game they've played all season. And I'm excited for the CFL because, let's be honest, after that horrible unwatchable game between Hamilton and Ottawa we needed to see some entertaining football last night and we got it it really was an entertaining game and despite the records of both those teams coming in and a lot of people thought it might be a stinker because it was yet another one of these weird midweek games but it was there were big plays up and down the field of course Devontae Dedman had that pump return man he is something special but unbelievable overall it shows that man even though you think things are going to go a certain way, Hodge, in the CFL, like literally all of us, 
picked the Edmonton Elks going into that game. But Ottawa comes out and gets a W, plays very well, and right now, <laughs> I can't believe we're going to say this, but you know they're at least in competition with Montreal for third place in the East. Well, that's the beauty of playing in the East Division, right? Two and five midway through the season, eh, you're not that far off from uh, from from hosting a playoff game, right? Uh, I don't think Ottawa's going to be hosting a playoff game, but you, crazier things have happened in the CFL. It depends how Caleb Evans, I think, is able to potentially repeat that performance that he had. I think week two is often tougher for young rookie quarterbacks necessarily than week one when you come in and there's there's no film on what you're doing. But, you know, last week I said it, I'll, I'll repeat it again. You know, Ottawa's got a lot of great fans. Those fans deserve to have a competent team on the field. Obviously, I'm not saying Ottawa's got to go out there and win every single game, but you've got to go out there and put a respectable product on the field. And last night they did. The game as a total had six touchdown passes. As you said, Devontae Deadman. You know, if it weren't for Lucky Whitehead's emergence this season in BC, I think we would be talking about him as possibly the most electrifying player in the CFL right now. And uh, I was I was ecstatic for members of our nation um, who, as I said, deserve to have a, a a competent team on the field. They haven't had that in uh, in a while, but uh, they certainly had it last night. That game was fun, Hodge, but the most dramatic game of the 2021 CFL season no doubt happened in Week 8. Cody Fajardo's quarterback seek in the final seconds led to a dramatic Riders win in BC. Give me more of that, please. Yeah, it was a fantastic game. Definitely one of the, probably the most memorable contest of the season thus far. And I think what really added weight to that game is the race that these two teams are in currently for that second spot in the West Division. Both of these teams could catch Winnipeg, but the Riders have already lost the season series to Winnipeg. Tough for them to leapfrog the Blue Bombers. The Lions and Bombers still play twice, uh, so the, so the Lions could could have a potentially easier avenue for that. But these teams coming at four and two, you know, and 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 to watch them go to battle. Uh, was super fun and and to have a a wild cfl style last three minutes icing on the cake it was something my man it had big plays and obviously a couple of those yes were provided by lucky whitehead who has just been dynamite to watch like i feel like he's getting underhyped because he's on the west coast and maybe some of us in the eastern time zone aren't staying up i sure am but i'm saying you know the large majority (laughs) of cfl fans maybe are going to bed before he's playing because that dude has been absolutely electric but full marks to the riders because there were questions here hodge could they go out on the road after a home heavy schedule to start the year really their only road game before this was a banjo bowl in winnipeg where they got throttled so could they go out on the road and play a team that's actually competitive like it's not like they're going on the road with all due respect to the teams in the east but you know to ottawa or montreal you know or even hamilton's not quite the same as they were in 2019 but they go in to a team that was rolling. BC had just dropped a bunch of points, and yes, it was Ottawa and Montreal, so there was some question marks there. But the Riders did it, and the way they did it shows their resolve. And to me, that's going to be critical, because when they get in the playoffs, they're going to have to win these close ball games, and Fajardo's going to have to do what he did in Week 8 when it counts the most at sudden death time. Yeah, and, and if you're if you're a Lions fan, I, I actually feel more confident in what the Lions are doing after that loss than before. Because as, as you said, their schedule was very light 
heading into that matchup against the the Riders. But Mike O'Reilly seems to have found his old form. He did not look like you know the MOP of 2015 when he first rejoined the Lions in 2019. He certainly has had fast chemistry with Lucky Whitehead. The defense, I think, has been very good. That secondary might be the best in the CFL. The one area I I have to rag on them a little bit is the run game, which has been, frankly, pathetic uh, so far this season. I think they've got to get that working a little bit, which will only help take pressure off of William Powell has his hand up. (laughs) I'm talking about the Lions running game with James Butler and Shaq Cooper going absolutely nowhere. William Powell got going the previous week, didn't have an amazing game against the Lions, but the the one player I do want to highlight on the Riders, though, is Godfrey Onyeka. He's had the chance to start at strong side linebacker the last two weeks. I think he's looked really good there. He's physical. He's got to clean up the penalties, but I love seeing a Canadian player like him get the chance to start at strong side linebacker because guess what? Canadians can play any position in the CFL, including Sam. And Craig Dickinson was hyping up on Yeka after his first start there. He was saying the guy's physical, he can cover, he can do all the things required. And it looks like, for the foreseeable future at least, Onyeka can keep that spot, especially if he continues to sort of keep the penalties to a minimum. Absolutely. We got to take a quick break, Dunkster. But we'll be right back. All right, summer's coming. Are you ready to unveil that beach bod you've been working so hard to show off? You're in luck. Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The 4.0. Compliment your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 want to take your grooming game even further to the next level the performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker to chop down your worst weeds up top the weed whacker is also waterproof and uses nine thousand rpm motor powered by 360 degree rotary dual blade system this nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks snags and tugs in those delicate holes ouch get 20 percent off for free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com escape the shrubs and weeds this summer with Manscaped. Everybody's this freaking close to us whipping their ass. That was a quote from Alouette Sam linebacker Patrick Levels while his thumb and index finger came together to reveal a tiny space hodge following a <laughs> 30 to 27 loss in Toronto. Are the L's that close to being undefeated as Levels said? Well, I think there's some things to clean up on their defensive front seven. They fired their defensive line coach, Todd Howard. I'm not convinced that's necessarily, you know, the the, the perfect path to fixing that. I think there might be more at, at play there with that defense. But that said, I mean, I, I do think this team has the talent to get it done. Uh, offensively, I mean, William Stanback ran through the Argos up, down, left, right, and center. 19 carries, 133 yards, and a touchdown. The receiving core looks great. I just think, 
you know, Vernon Adams needs to be a little bit more consistent. He's been he's been Jekyll and Hyde a lot. So do I agree with Level's assessment? No. I think that, that this team has, has not been nearly as consistent as they need to be. But did did they almost beat the Argos? Yeah, there's no denying that. You could look at the stat sheet, and without the scores, you'd, you'd probably assume that Montreal won that game. So I see where Levels is coming from. I just think they need to be more consistent. Agreed with you, especially on Vernon Adams Jr. He's got to show consistently, whether he likes it or not, that he can beat teams from the pocket. To me, that's where it starts with that offense because you have William Stanbeck who, if Montreal had a winning record, would be higher up on our CFL MOP rankings that our boy J.C. Abbott does every week and we compile through the three of us. So the fact that you have you know a solid offensive line, I don't really necessarily think pressure has been an issue. Adams Jr. needs to get the completion percentage up. And then over on defense, they got to stop it with the penalties. Like Taekwon Glass and Money Hunter and some of the guys over there have taken stupid penalties. And those got to be gone. And there are a lot of people that said, well, you brought those guys over from Edmonton and they still did the same thing there. But of course, they're tied to Baron Miles, the defensive coordinator. So I do think obviously the defense has talent. Almondo Sewell up front certainly proves that. Patrick Levels as well. And there are guys like Greg Reed who are maybe a little quieter on that team that have been solid. But to get victimized by Chandler Worthy late in the half with the GM standing <laughs> right there on the sideline and Danny Machocha going down the field. like Those are plays that you can just not afford to give up if you're playing winning football. It just should not happen. And the Owls, I think, in some ways are close, but they're not that close to whooping people's asses. That's for sure. When I think of whooping asses, Hodge, like I'm thinking of laying a beat down, like 20, 30, 40, 50 points. But the Owls got to actually just win a game by maybe even one point to get this losing streak to come to an end. Yeah, and I mean, they, they've had one, you know, win where they've kind of flexed this season, and that was over Ottawa, and not the Caleb Evans-led Red Blacks. We're talking about the Red Blacks <laughs> of the first, you know, six games of the season where they look terrible. Um, the thing I'll say about Vernon Adams, he's looked sensational at times. He's looked very pedestrian at times. You know, he, he's now 28 years old, and he's now played 60 career CFL games. And obviously, even talented veterans have off games. Uh, but that said, I think that at this point of his career, and he hasn't played in all 60 of those games, but he's dressed for 60 games. Um, if I had to pick a number, I would suggest this is my my memory, but I would suggest he's probably started about 25 of those games. I'd have to verify that. But, you know, at this point of his career... I don't think it's inappropriate to expect a higher level of consistency from him, and I hope we get it because when Vernon Adams is on his game, he's one of the most fun players to watch in the entire CFL. Dunkster, according to defensive back Shaq Richardson, Chris Jones has set a new level of standards and expectations for the Toronto Argonauts defense. How did he go about doing that? First of all, his reputation precedes him. And then when he got in the meeting rooms and on the Zoom calls while he was doing his quarantine with the Argos defense, he made it standard that on every single play, you run to the football. That on every single play, you're punching at the football of whoever has it in their hands. You don't want to be jumping and gambling for interceptions all the time, but he made those things standard, whereas according to Richardson, he said that wasn't the case under the old regime, let's call them, who are on leave, running that defense. So I think that immediately set the tone, and Richardson said that Jones laid out a more detailed approach 
especially in practice and preparing for the game, and it allowed all the players to focus in. Now, that didn't necessarily show up on the scoreboard because the Argos gave up 27 points, even though Chris Jones was using all of his signals, like the chicken wing and you know joker face or whatever the <laughs> heck else he was doing. But you can see sort of the makings of it, that there were at times in that game where the Argos defense was either dominating or they were forcing turnovers. So I think once Jones has some time there, this unit could become really stout. As long as we got the chicken wings going, we got to get the gray goose going too for Chris Jones. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that was something that surprised me. I got to say, it's a very short time, right, that Chris Jones has been in Toronto and he's technically a consultant. Um, I don't think that that title is necessarily reflective of what he's doing there. I think it's a bit of a farce. But that said, I was just, like William Stanback, albeit I'll give all, I'll give Toronto credit for this. Enoch Mwamba was out. Cameron Judge was out. So they, they they've got essentially new linebacking core. I thought Vontae Diggs looked a little bit rusty at Mike, but they gave up 133 yards along the ground to William Stanback. He averaged seven yards a carry. And then they also like they gave up 560 yards total in that game, which again is why I say if you take the scores off the stat sheet, you would not have expected Toronto to come out on top in that game. So as much as we did start to see maybe some signs of the Argos becoming a true Chris Jones defense, I also think this unit has has certainly room for growth heading into the second half of the season. Lots of it, buddy. Trevor Harris was activated from the six-game injured list, but did not start against Ottawa in Week 9. What is going on over there? Well, I'll say this. I, I took to Twitter, and I put the official, you know, Trevor Harris timeline, if you want to call it that, uh, broken down by day. Uh, because Trevor Harris, of course, was added to the six-game injured list uh, not too long ago. And I'll break it down for you right now. September 15th, Harris was cleared to practice. September 16th, he removed himself from practice, though Edmonton didn't reveal that on their injury report. The next day, Harris was moved to the six-game injured list with no timetable for his return. The next day, Taylor Cornelius started against Winnipeg. Six days later, Jamie Elizondo says Cornelius will start against Ottawa. And there's no timeline for Trevor Harris's return. And then the next day, Trevor Harris returns. So I don't get it. This timeline does not make sense. The official story does not make sense, which I, in my view, only means one thing, which is we don't have the true story. The official story and the true story simply at this point, in my estimation, are not lining up. Yeah, there's something else going on there, man. Like, let's be honest and look at the situation for what it is. Trevor Harris, you activate off the six-game injured list early after he's only on there for two games. He's your unquestioned franchise guy who you are paying big money to, you know, about a pro-rated half million dollars based on the 14-game season, and he's not on the field, especially against his former team. Don't you think Harris would have loved nothing more to have gone into Ottawa, thrown for a bunch of yards, a bunch of touchdowns, and handed the Red Blacks a victory to go along and continue on their terrible season? Certainly he would have. So to me, something is up behind the scenes. And this is why outlets like ours ask the proper questions and at least raise the red flags when we see them here. Because you don't just miraculously in my mind wake up one day with all due respect to Harris and your neck feels fine and good to go 
Like, I understand that, you know, there might be some magic potions out there that people can take to make them feel better after a hangover <laughs> or what have you. But a neck is a serious thing. So I never bought that from the start. And I just think there's much more going on behind the scenes. When you said Harris was on the sixth game for two games, I think you misspoke, Duncaster. He was on there for one. And just, just for our listeners, if a player is on the six-game injured list and completes their stint, their salary does not count against the cap, which is why you know if a big-money player goes to the sixth game, provided they finish their stint, you know, provide some cap relief for a team. If they get pulled off early, all of that cap savings is negated. So you put Harris on the sixth game, I get it, just in case he's out long-term, you save some money. But pulling him off after one week, that's... That's wild. It, that And that, again, to me, is why it doesn't make sense. The other thing that didn't make sense, Harris spoke to the media this week, and he spoke glowingly, as the team has the whole time, about the training staff, about the medical staff there. And it's like, wait a minute. So you cleared a guy to play, even though he apparently has a neck injury that's so bad he can't practice? And then he's, yeah, it, it, it doesn't line up, Dunkster. There's more to this. Canadian running back Chuba Hubbard saw his first extended action in an NFL game last Thursday night after star Christian McCaffrey suffered a hamstring injury. When was the last time a Canadian running back started a game in the NFL? It's been a long time going back to a guy named Tim Biakabatuka, who was a star at the University of Michigan, drafted in the first round by the same Carolina Panthers. And when his last start happened... That was the last time that a Canadian <laughs> running back started in the NFL. There have been Canadian running backs that have played in the NFL since. The one most recently is Tyler Varga, who suited up for the Indianapolis Colts. I believe it was in 2015, but a concussion he suffered, unfortunately, ended his career early. So it's been a long time coming for a running back to start. And with Christian McCaffrey out with the hamstring injury, Hubbard is going to get the opportunity to carry the bulk of the load. Matt Rule, who absolutely loved him, used to be the head coach at Baylor University in the Big 12, where Hubbard played at Oklahoma State University, really likes him. And he stopped short of calling Hubbard his starter. He didn't necessarily come out and confirm it during his early week media availabilities, but Hubbard's going to be the guy. He got the bulk of the load when McCaffrey went out. 11 carries, I believe, for 50, 51 yards, three catches for 27, so a solid day. You know, he had a drop and kind of took him a little bit to get going, but he's a rookie running back. Like, let's remember that. It's going to take some time. Fortunately, he got his feet under him. He showed some of that speed, especially late, to help set out set up a touchdown in that game. So this is a massive deal. I know some people you know, are tuning in. They're going to want to hear Canadian football talk. Well, we cover everything and anything related to Canadian football, and Hubbard starting is massive. It really is. And by the way, thanks for the Tyler Varga mention. And you named the pronun- you nailed the pronunciation of Tim Biakabatuka as well. Well done. Tyler Varga, it's easy to retire early, I guess, when you've got a degree from Yale. That 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 certainly helps retiring from the NFL. But I'm I'm super excited to watch Hubbard play. And yeah, I know some people don't necessarily love our NFL coverage as much as they do our CFL coverage. But with that said, there is no denying that the NFL has a tremendous impact on young Canadians, uh, right? So many young Canadians play fantasy football, right? They play Madden. They love the NFL. And to me, the success of players like Chase Claypool, who, by the way, was the second most targeted wide receiver in the entire league 
in week three with the Pittsburgh Steelers or exciting young Canadians like Chuba Hubbard. Those are the players who are going to inspire the next generation of great Canadian players. And of that generation, there's going to be a couple, yeah, who make the NFL. But guess what? Most of them are going to make the CFL and become stars north of the border. So to me, it's uh, it's all Canadian football and it's all love. Bianca Batuka's last start came in 2001. That means we're talking about a guy doing something that has not happened in the NFL in 20 years, Hodge. So that, for me, makes it extremely newsworthy and something we'll certainly cover going forward. Absolutely. we got to take a quick break. When we come back, it'll be time for Hodge's Heritage Moment. Welcome back for Hodge's Heritage Moment. On this day in 2009, Ray Nettles passed away at the age of 60. The Jacksonville native played nine CFL seasons with BC, Toronto, Hamilton, Ottawa, and Calgary. The three-time CFL All-Star was named the league's most outstanding rookie in 1972 and struggled with addiction following his retirement from the CFL. He successfully completed rehab in 2008, but tragically died of lung and liver cancer just one year later. Dunkster, do you remember watching Ray Nettles? I do not, buddy. (laughs) A little before your time. That's okay. Well, if you don't remember, I certainly don't remember. But he was a fun player to research, clearly lived life in the fast lane. And uh, that was I think that was reflected by the number of CFL teams he played for. And traveling from team to team, he probably took his car. Best place to get your car hooked up for the fall is Jiffy Lube. You're in, you're out in a Jiffy. They do fantastic work there maintaining your automobile and ensuring that you're safe on the road. Man, I've been coming up with this jingle in my head. I don't know if it's actually as good as it sounds when I'm singing in my head, but (laughs) Jiffy Lube, Jiffy Lube. Just kind of rolls off the tongue, man. Get into that Jiffy Lube. (laughs) I think you you missed your calling. Football insider? Nah. Jingle (laughs) composer. That's that's what Justin Duck (laughs) needs to be doing. Jingle composer. All right, it's time for the three-minute drill, powered by Jiffy Lube. Chris Jones bought and lived on a boat from 2012 to 2013 while coaching the Argos. That makes him a real boatman, doesn't it? No, he just goes wherever the money is. Riders QB Cody Fajardo (laughs) loves food so much he uses words like McNuggets instead of cursing. I know you're here for all of that, hug. I mean, I love food, but I also do like to curse. So I, I, I dig the food aspect, but I'd rather say the real words rather than McNuggets. Tim Horton's field capacity has increased to 18,000 fans. How hyped are Ticats fans about that? Dude, the city is buzzing. They missed out on having a full Labor Day, and they're looking forward to hopefully having a packed Grey Cup there. But man, down the road, and the QEW, can the Argos actually fill their increased capacity at people? Well, they can't, they can't fill their reduced capacity, so let's start with that before we get ahead of ourselves. Toronto receiver Chandler Worthy staked his claim to being the fastest player in the CFL. Would you bet on him if Bodog had a line? All due respect, no way. My money right now would be on Lucky Whitehead, despite him likely being a heavy favorite. Same Two same. CFL games were under 350,000 average viewers in week eight. Why do you think the drop-off happened for those games in particular? 
Well, I mean the the Ed, the uh, the Hamilton Ottawa matchup was a complete dud with with a couple of back and quarterbacks playing. The Eastern matchup on Friday Night Football I think is concerning. Montreal Toronto should have had better viewership than that. The CFL trade deadline has been set for October 27th. Will we see any Zach Caleros level deals be made? Man, come on. What else you want to predict me in the future? We don't know what's going to happen until we get closer to the deadline. Bowlby by Mitchell will start against the Riders, but should it be the rookie, Jake Marin? It You, you got to start Bo, but if Bo had a really long leash last week, I think that leash needs to get one rung shorter for each week. He no longer seems to look like Bowlby by Mitchell. How much juice can Shaq Evans add to Saskatchewan's offense when he returns following their bye week? Man, he can bring all the juice. So fresh, so fresh. In Hamilton, all-star receiver Braylon Addison has been activated off the six-game injured list. Is the Ticats band getting back together, Jeremiah Mazzoli and Speedy B also improving health-wise? I hope so, because when that team is at full health, man, they are fun to watch. Will number one overall pick Jake Burt ever play a game for the Ticats? He just got put on the six-game injured list, hasn't dressed all season. Dude, I'm starting to lean towards no and that big B word that you don't want to hear with a draft pick. If you want to see two rising stars in U Sports, my man Haji and I obviously track this, but for the people out there, tune in to the Philpot brothers with the University of Calgary. Sons of former CFL All-Star running back Corey Philpot, the pair lit it up in week one of the season. Dynamic duo that are going to be coming to a screen near you in the CFL, and that's it, Hodge. They don't get NFL looks because those dudes are that good. I met Corey Felpot when he was the starting running back at Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think I was five years old. I got a great story. I'll share it sometime on the site. Last one, Dunkster. Who is your midseason CFL MOP? This is tricky, man, because there are a lot of dudes that are in the mix here, and I don't want to miss out naming any of them on the spot. But for me right now, it's Zach Caleros. He changed the entire outlook of that team and led the Bombers to a title in 2019. Yes, his stats maybe weren't great, but the season that he's been having on the stat sheet and also the impact overall with the franchise, right now, for me, Caleros would be the pick, although there's some worthy candidates, Willie Jefferson, Lucky Whitehead would be right in there as well as Cody Fajardi. Yeah, there's lots of places to go. We rank them every single week on three down. For me right now, by a hair, it's Lucky Whitehead. Simply the most outstanding player in the league, but it's only halfway point of the season. The second half will, of course, decide it. We thank you, as always, for listening to the Three Down Nation podcast. We'll see you next Wednesday. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.